Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Fantasy Soccer Insider. Coming to you live every Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, only on Rabble.tv. I am John Wallen, your host. You can find me on Twitter at Fantasy Gaffer. You can find me running content at Playtaga.com. You can find me playing in the Men in Blazers crap league over at the official FPL. And you can find me right now talking all things FPL, all formats, with Ralph co-editor of Razball Soccer. You can find his writing at soccer.razball.com. You can find him at Ralph Lifshitz BB on the Twitter. You can find his address in my Twitter feed at the bottom of the screen on Ravel TV. Or you can just search for Ralph Lifshitz and he will come right up. Ralph, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Thanks, John, for having me on. It's, uh, it's an honor to be on with such a uh, well-recognized uh, titan of the industry. <laughs> Hanging out with the men in blazers, you know. We are going to let that slide for right now. (laughs) Tonight on this show, we are going to talk about some of the biggest surprises and biggest disappointments in the FPL so far. Ralph, you play along with your partner over at Razzball, Smokey Loogie, in the 12-team USA-based Taga Experts League. We're going to talk about how you're doing through two weeks of that. We're going to talk about your favorite pick. I tweeted out last night uh, your round-by-round picks in that draft, and it was uh, from top to bottom a very good draft. And we're going to talk about uh, whether or not we can trust hot starts. Uh, you know, a number of players coming in. We talked a little bit about it on our, our, our Gorilla podcast last night with Kev Rob. But a number of players off to hot starts. We want to know who we can trust. But we have to cool. start today, Ralph. We have to start with the big news. Two big names coming in. Odomendi at Manchester City coming in. Pedro coming in as well at Chelsea. Which of those two gentlemen do you like the most in Fantasy Premier League going into this weekend? Um, I, you know, I'm thinking if, if, if he gets the start, definitely Pedro, um, you know, the fact that, you know, he was added to the game today on the official site, uh, nine and a half, um, you know, million pounds. And he's a more or less a forward in a midfield spot, a guy that's known for scoring goals. Yeah. That's, that's a big piece to grab. Um, especially at this point, if, you know, you're one of the many, many folks that, uh, committed a lot of, of your kitty to, uh, you know, um, Eden Hazard or, or even Theo Wolcott. Unfortunately, I did that myself. Um, I think it's probably a good transition. I think Odomendi probably, for me at least, I need to see him, you know, for a couple of weeks, see how things go, how he meshes sort of with that, that back line. Um, they've looked excellent over the last few weeks, so they do have a lot of options. So I, I would think up front, we're probably looking at Pedro as the, as the better option of the two, um, at least within, you know, the first couple of weeks coming into, uh, you know, into the league. Now, let me ask you a question, because we saw this in January of last year with 
uh, excuse me, with Juan Cuadrado coming into uh, Chelsea's sure. team in, in the January transfer window. A lot of people, myself included, went out, wrote a lot of glowing things about Cuadrado, thought he was going to come in, displace uh, Willian, maybe displace some of Oscar's performance. Mm-hmm. Didn't happen. Yeah, we need, I don't even know if he actually exists. He might actually be a figment of Chelsea fans' imag- imagination. If that's the case, they have a robust imagination because I can distinctly recall spending heavily on him coming into February 1st, uh, much to my detriment, had to uh, had to figure out a way to get him back out of my team uh, in March of that year. None of yeah, I, I can remember uh, grabbing him in the experts, the Targa Experts League last year or trying to get him and being sort of upset that uh, my waiver position was so poor that I couldn't get him onto my squad. But, uh, you know, sometimes it's a blessing, right? Yeah, no, certainly. And in that case, it, it almost had to be, you know, for my own take on that, I do actually like Otamendi, but coming to it from the draft perspective where you are playing, you know, deeper, deeper into the game, I think Otamendi, even if he's not uh, an immediate first choice at Manchester City, if sure. he gets 30 starts, let's say this season, let's say he posts 10 or 12 clean sheets. That's a very good defensive base. We saw him post six goals last year in La Liga. I know mm-hmm. that uh, your friend and mine, Andrew Laird over at Rotowire, is uh, adamant that the La Liga standard is not the Premier League standard, and six goals is is uh, beyond imagination. Uh, we do sure. know, of course, last season John Terry, five goals, led all defenders. It required Mr. Terry playing every minute of every match to score those five <laughs> goals. So, you know, setting your sights at five or even six or six or, or I should say, or even five goals may be a bridge too far, but I do like him in that team. I do like um, the moves that they're making. And, and obviously, I mean, I think we have to delve right into it. They're the team to beat in the premier league right now, aren't they? Yeah, they look, they look excellent. And um, you know, that's a huge surprise to me. And I, you know, I, I will admit that uh, I have my allegiances. I am a, a Manchester United fan. So I'm sort of um, predispositioned to not be a fan of City and sort of, you know, think the worst. But uh, I'm surprised at how good the defense looks. I thought that they would be, you know, just as good going forward. Yaya Torre, I, I think the fact that he, you know, over the summer didn't have to to play, you know, in the World Cup and, and sort of have that whole thing going on um, has certainly helped me play a lot of games last year. And you can sort of see that in his legs. He looks quicker. You know, he, he looks, you know, just better on the ball, um, et cetera, et cetera. And I want to just touch on one thing with, with Oda Mendy too. Um, I think in these draft formats, he's still going to be a great asset. Uh, you know, guys like that, that are good offensively and have a balanced skill set. you know, they're going to get clearances, you know, they're, you know, they're going to get clean sheet points, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of value there with that skill set. Um, where if you're looking at the official game, you know, you want more of those guys that are bombing down the wings, um, you know, the, the attacking type of, you know, you know, fullbacks. Um, so yeah, I mean, they added another great piece. They're only going to strengthen their back line now. Um, it, it's, it's pretty scary looking at it, you know, as a, as a fan of a, a club that isn't uh, the citizens. Yeah. And, and you and I both are in that boat. I am uh, of course an, an ardent supporter of Liverpool, uh, to Ooh. the point that I uh, retain blinders <laughs> to the fact that Roberto Firmino is simply not playing in Brendan Rogers current oh. setup. And, you know, I have to say, this is uh, this is just a really good collection of talent. I think that in years past, there's been um, some some over-reliance on narrative when members mm-hmm. of the media or FPL, you know, touts have looked at Manchester City and said, well, they're just a, you know, they're just a collection of high-priced talent. And while that certainly hasn't changed, you can see that in recent years, their buying strategy has really 
meshed well with the tactics that the manager is trying to employ. And it looks like this might be the year that they that they run away with it. And, you know, the run in is, is a bit of a laugher. Yeah. And I think that it's it says something that it, this isn't very a popular sentiment over in England, but um it's, it speaks to continuity. Um, you know, the fact that, you know, we, they didn't change managers in the, in, in the off season, the fact that they kept a lot of their guys around, you know, even like, you know, um, Fernandinho and some of these guys, they look better. Um, you know, maybe it's a short, it's a, it's a very short sample size as she said, but, um, at the same, same time, you know, I think it, it speaks volumes about, you know, having a similar team, similar players, guys that have been in the system now for a little bit longer, they look better. And, and Vincent, company looks looks you know classic classic company he may actually have his best fpl season i mean he's already got 25 points so um yeah they look very dangerous would very you say dangerous that the manchester city defense you know alexander color vincent company headlining that mm-hmm. would you say that they're your biggest surprise of the season so far i you know i really didn't necessarily think that that company would ever get back to um this level and he he looks world class again and a lot of times with those those sort of you know center backs, um, they drop off quickly, you know, and it happens very very quickly, and they don't necessarily regain it. And um, you know, he looks for real again. And and he was you know he was a guy that you wanted you wanted on your your squad you know three years ago, um, and he and he's had bad, you know big seasons in the past. The last couple of years obviously been you know pretty injury riddled, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm surprised. I didn't think they would be a strong defensive unit. I thought they were going to be good going forward, and we're going to have uh, difficulty defending. But after the Chelsea dismantling last week, it certainly didn't look that way. Yeah, I, I think I'm right there with you. I, I wrote a piece uh, for blog.playtaga.com where I talked about the top 10 defenders, you know, the top 10 attacking defenders. Yep. And I I ignored Alexander Kolarov entirely on a, a playing time concern. And I, I think rightly I, I was called to the mat. By, by a couple of people, most notably Andrew. And yeah, Roto-Wire, they talk about it like on a weekly basis on their podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Kolarov is, I mean, he's destroying the league. He's, he's a phenomenal value. I was a phenomenal value mm. uh, for anybody that's drafting in uh, a draft format, play Tiger or, or anywhere else. And I know that a number of uh, really hardcore fans, really hardcore FPL players do choose to wait until after the transfer window closes before they do their draft. And I think Kolarov has to be a name that has leapt up the draft board. If you're starting a league from scratch following game week four, is Kolarov one of the first 36 players off the board in a 12-team league for you? In in a Taga format or an Opta scoring format? Yeah, Absolutely. a Taga format. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at some of the attacking stats. Um, he's not great defensively, but it it's funny because it doesn't translate that that way necessarily to that scoring format. The thing that that concerns me a little bit about Kolarov is sort of the bounty of options that they have back there. They have Kolarov, they have Sagna, um, Klichy, you know, Zavaleta. There's a, there's a, a lot of really talented sort of outside, you know, wingbacks, fullbacks, whatever you want to call them. Um, that are good for attacking purposes. So that's what my concern was going into the season. After having watched the first two weeks, it looks like he's going to get a lot of starts. And if he gets 30 plus starts, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a slam dunk in the top 30. No, fair enough. Fair enough. Turning from surprises to disappointments. I know you're a Manchester United supporter. I know that he just had a phenomenal midweek match for the, you know, for the Red Devils in their (laughs) Champions League qualifying, but has Memphis Depay been a disappointment or our longtime listener, Mr. G. Morty, wants to know, is Memphis Depay about to explode on the fantasy scene? Well, 
I don't know if I can trust his performance against uh, Club Bruges. I hope so, um, because that's everything we sort of wanted. I'll, I'll say this. Um, prior to uh, Tuesday's match, my sort of take on it, and I had actually you know, sent it to my colleague, uh, Rob, via, via text. We have a lot of these sort of conversations back and forth. And I was saying he looked like a bad version of Raheem Sterling. Um, he didn't look that way, certainly, in uh, in 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 this past week again in Champions League. That was against a, a, a Belgian club. They're obviously, you know, a decent team. They made, you know, they made European football, but at the same time, I gotta see him do it in the league. You know, I gotta see him do it against against um, you know, in an EPL team. And you see him do it in the premiership. Uh, you know, I don't know if I would list him as my biggest disappointment. And you know, I actually drafted him in my my uh, second round pick in the in the Taga draft. So I own him and I have a lot invested in him. He's on both of my, you know, official teams and, and, uh, you know, Yahoo and some other places where, where I own them. Um, I, you know, I really hope that he can sort of find that form that, that he had last game because he looked phenomenal. Um, but like I said, I need to see him do that consistently, um, you know, in the premiership. I mean, heck, you know, Angel Di Maria is considered a bust and he looked pretty darn good the first, you know, five to six, seven weeks last year. So, you know, I, I'm not going to jump the gun on it, did, but did I don't think he's my biggest disappointment, but I can say, keep did, saying that. Did, did you just throw the Di Maria card on pay after just two weeks in the Premier League? <laughs> well, my point was that Di Maria looked darn good early on. Um, you know, I, I would say probably until early November when we first kicked off the, the, the Rasball soccer site, um, you know, I thought this guy was going to be a superstar. Um, and then he, he got injured and he just sort of, snowballed from there and it just he never found it after that until the point that you know he was getting he actually was dropped in our expert league in Taga last year I can remember because they picked him up as a bench player and I don't even think I played him half the time because I wasn't sure if he was actually going to feature or not no nope, fair point so the Red Devils face Newcastle at Old Trafford in game week three Newcastle's given up two goals in each of their opening matches to Southampton and Swansea if DePay comes out and bosses the match against Newcastle will you be satisfied or do they he does he still need to do it against a higher quality opponent I'll be happy I'll be really happy if he comes out you know gets a goal sets up a goal um just looks good I I know that my my first week in the experts league I think DePay had what negative five negative six points that's right um that was painful you know that doesn't translate in the official game you know, he's considered a midfielder, didn't get a card, you know, wasn't booked and uh, they had a clean sheet. So he had three points. So it wasn't terrible on that side. But with this, when you have all these different counting stats, um, I just need to see it. Last week was I thought was an improvement. And, um, you know, this week, obviously, in, in midweek in, in the Champions League qualifier, he looked great. So, you know, if he comes out and has a great game against Newcastle, absolutely. So for me, I mean, you know, hands up, it's only week three, and I do have a great deal of faith in one Roberto Firmino for the duration of this season at Liverpool. But if you invested in him in, uh, you know, the official league at eight and a half million pounds, and he's down to 8.4 and looking set to maybe even drop below his 2% ownership currently, drop a little bit lower in, in that price, you know, hands up, my bad. Send me a mean tweet. I'll retweet it. No shame. <laughs> I love the man. I'm going to keep loving the man. He's going to lead Liverpool to some sort of silverware this season. Mark my words. I am not his agent how I wish I could be. But outside of Mr. Roberto Firmino, I have to say the most disappointing player for me is a player that I really I do still believe in. But I'm very concerned because it does not look like his club has strengthened areas around him enough to make other teams miss 
And that is Matt Ritchie from Bournemouth. And hmm. in two weeks, he is being marked out of matches. I mean, in this, this game week two, I, I should say, I mean, he played he played markedly better uh, in the Liverpool match. And I think that's because Liverpool's tactics were geared more towards eliminating play in the in the final third. Liverpool sure. defensively have been very good. I think they recognized they, they weren't going to be particularly troubled with Bournemouth's attack. And they gave Richie some space in the midfield space that he was not afforded. Uh, in game week one and you saw that slightly um, in his passing stats but not really in the stats that we count Taga and certainly not in the stats that are counted in the official game where he's a, a two point a week player yeah and I think the big thing too is um, after the sort of explosion you got from from Charlie Austin last year everybody was looking for the promoted player that was going to be a superstar and the names that everyone was bouncing around were Richie, Dini. Um, uh, Redmond, who obviously has been, been the gold there. That's, that's been for, you know, amongst the promoted clubs, um, and Wilson as well. And I think Richie actually dropped in the official game in terms of, um, his cost and same thing with Wilson. I think people are writing off Bournemouth a little bit early. I mean, we saw what happened with Leicester last year. Um, they looked awful. And then all of a sudden in February, it was like they flipped the switch and they became this like you know, powerhouse team. I think uh, I heard earlier today they've taken like 29 of the last 33 points or 32 points or something like that. I mean, it's unbelievable. So it's, it's early. You know, I think the thing that we always have to focus on with this game is it's a long-term thing. You know, you're looking at something that starts in August and ends in May. Um, so you, you got to sort of buy guys, no talent levels, you know, no, no, who's, you know, that sort of top class players, and stick with him. And I think Richie is, you know, proven in his time in the championship that he's, you know, he's a, and he's an excellent player. So um, I'm not ready to write him off totally yet, but. Nope. Fair point. Fair point. Uh, turning our attention to Stoke Alona and a question on our board from one Don Garbage, Jeff Cameron draft fantasy. What is his value moving forward this season, specifically in draft fantasy? Ralph, what do you think? <laughs> Stokes defender, well, where, where are we putting him? Uh, five and a half points and six points in, in back-to-back weeks in Taga's format. You know, obviously uh, sure. slightly less valuable uh, pretty much anywhere else. Uh, what, are we, what are we doing with him? I don't know. I, I'm not sure you can ever really trust a G off, right? Yeah, I mean, those guys are just like, spell your name the right way. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the funny thing is, like, I got I to gotta, I gotta put this out there. Um, I played against Jeff Cameron. I actually grew up in the same area in Massachusetts as, as Jeff, and we, we played in the same high school league. And, and so, is that why you sound like, quote, Waylon Jennings, but from West Boston, according to uh, Mr. Smokey on our comment board? <laughs> <laughs> yep, he's a, he's a regular West Bostoner himself. Actually, yeah. he's not. But, he's uh, in the dirty jurors. Back, yeah. back to Mr. Cameron. Uh, all personal allegiance aside, where are we rating him in draft fantasy moving forward? Um, you know, there's a lot of other options ahead of Cameron. Um, you know, I can, I can see him as maybe like your, your third or fourth defender, but he's not somebody I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, start drafting in the first six or seven rounds, probably even, you know, he's somebody I would wait on double digit rounds. That's, that's where we're probably if you're a manager. Like yeah. If you're a manager that's looking to play three, four, three or three, five, two. Is Jeff Cameron a guy that you target to be your fourth defender, your flex for your rotation defender, knowing that you could get him in maybe the eighth, ninth, or tenth round of a 10 or 12 team Taga league? 
Yeah, you know, I think that's probably where, probably where he sits pretty comfortably. But I mean, I'm looking at my own squad, and I have like you know Terry, Dan, Lovren, Rose, and I got Dan really late. And I like I like Scott Dan a lot more than than I like Cameron. But that's fair. No, that's totally fair. Sticking with uh, our comment board over at Rabble.tv, Mike P asks Eric Lamella, the Spurs midfielder. He was legit at the end of last season, but he's back on the bench for Spurs. If he stays in the EPL at the end of the summer transfer window, do you think sure. he gets back into the starting 11 at White Hart Lane? Wow. They really love Dembele right now. Um, as a fantasy player, you know, not a Spurs fan, I'd like to see Lamella back in there. I, I think he's a better option, especially when you're talking about these draft formats and the, and the opt scoring. He's a good fit. Um, you know, he's good on the ball, good distributor. But um, like I said, it, it seems like, they're in love with Dembele at this point. Um, you know, they're playing Dyer in the midfield. So I don't know where he fits in. No, I, I don't disagree with that. Uh, in the preseason, I touted two Spurs midfielders to be among the top 10 scoring midfielders. And obviously those, those two slots went to Christian Eriksen and Nasser Chadley. I mean, I really like Agreed. the way that that midfield is constructed. I like the way that they're playing right now. I like the fact that Eric Dyer got off the got off the schneid and only the second match. You know, it took him a whole extra match this year. Last season, he had two goals in his opening two. This year, we're making do with just one goal in the first two EPL matches for Spurs. Not not the end of the world. I can live with one goal every other game from the defender-rated now midfielder Eric Dyer. Yeah, he's Mr. August, huh? <laughs> he is. We should actually make those shirts. I would wear an Eric Dyer wolf. Mr. August shirt. Mr. August shirt. That is beautiful. <laughs> um, you know what I want to mention? Christian Eriksen is. I don't think he's talked about enough. You know, I think he's one of the the better players in this league. Um, I don't know if he has enough talent around him uh, to necessarily. I like Chadley. Obviously, you know they have Harry Kane, but uh, you know at times it seems like he's the only great player on the pitch in that team. Well, in fairness, he is currently the level fifteenth highest point earning midfielder in the EPL official game level with Nasser Chadley on 10 points. Also level with Marco Arnautovic, just one point ahead of Jesus Navas, one point behind Fernandinho and Juan Mata. Mm. Not, not necessarily the best start, but if he does put up a five point average across a 38 match season, I mean, Erickson will be right there, a top 10 midfielder at the end of the year. The question is Ralph, would you rather have Ericsson in a salary cap format for eight and a half million pounds or Nasser Chadley for seven million? Um, whew. you know, it's tough because I think you're going to get more goals out of Chadley. But I, I like the fact that, you know, Ericsson is, is, is taking free kicks. He's taking set pieces. I always give a little boost for that. Chadley can be flaky. You know, there were times last year where Chadley was unbelievable for weeks at a time, and then he was just like Mr. Gone. You know, just totally disappeared. He had no idea he was even on the pitch half the time, other than his his man bun and his his well chiseled abs. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I I think Erickson's a better player, and if it's only you know one and a half more, I think you get more out of Erickson. You know, he's a he's just he's a better player. There's going to be more opportunity there when he's healthy. He's always going to see the pitch. Um, you know, I, I don't see Chadley being an odd man out, but if Lamella starts to get in there, you know, Chadley gets hurt. I think Erickson's the guy still certainly in draft formats. I'm, I'm all, you know, team Erickson all the way. 
No, fair enough, fair enough. And, you know, I have to say, uh, John Montgomery, our own at-spaced penguin over at blog.playtaga.com, writes a post every week outlining the key FPL matchup. And this week, he I, I think he probably correctly tagged that Monday night match between Arsenal and Liverpool. But I have to say, the match I'm most looking forward to watching is this Spurs match when they travel away to Leicester and they are going to face off against Ryan Mahrez, the presumptive uh, MVP of the early season for FPL. What do we make about, uh, you know, the official Foxes, Mr. Mara's, and, and hot starts? Are we trusting uh, that this team, this uh, Claudio Ranieri-led team, uh, is off to, uh, is that their hot start is predictive of where they can go this season? Yeah, they look unbelievable. Um, more than any other team right now, I want to watch Leicester play. You know, I watched the game last week. Um, you know, as you know, Okazaki uh, looks very good, uh, even though it seems like he's like leading the league in deep possessions, but he, he makes plays. Um, and you know, Vardy as well. They're a fun team to watch. They're a fun team to cheer for, especially when you sort of think about, like I said, where they were, um, you know, 10, 11 months ago, um, and sort of how they've developed as a club. They look very good. Um, you know, made obviously a, a big move this year, uh, this week in the, you know, um, in the transfer window, bringing, you know, Iller, um, I think it's a big move. Um, I'm really, I'm really interested to watch them. I yeah. think Merez is for real. Um, I thought he was great last year, early on. I, if, if I remember correctly, he was hurt and then went to, uh, African Cup of Nations. It sort of derailed the seasons. It seems like African Cup of Nations is the most frustrating thing as a fantasy player. Absolutely. But, no uh, here. he looked great. And, you know, Al Brighton got into the squad a little bit later in the season, looked really, really good. Um, I think I had, I had some, some questions, uh, what they would look like with sort of the leadership of, of Kambayasa, you know, obviously leaving. Um, I think Inler, you know, fits in very well of that position. I think Merez is for real. Um, I know his price rose again. I think he's at 5.8 in the official game. Um, he was a guy that I, I wanted badly in, in the Taga draft and he went, I was sniped. I think it was two or three picks right before my next pick. And, uh, he was the guy I had all queued up and ready to go and didn't get him. So I'm a Mraz fan. You know, I, I think he's a, a great player. He's one of those guys in the midfield that can score. Um, he's for real There's, No, to a certain point. You now he's going to hit maybe, you know, six plus points. You know, maybe he's questionable owning at that point, but. At this point, under six, I'm taking them all day. Yeah, a couple, couple quick buttons on a lot of really great points that you just made. It's not just your observations of Shinji Okazaki that has him being the most dispossessed player in the Premier League this season. With 10 dispossessions through two matches, he is, in fact, the most dispossessed player in the Premier League this season. Man can't seem to keep the ball on his feet. Ryan Mares, yeah, again, slightly derailed last season. If you look at uh, his totals, he ended up with 2,079 minutes, played 102 points in the official league on the strength of four goals, five assists. Not a bad, not a bad season at all for 2,000 no. minutes, but he's up to 5.8 million, as you mentioned, 18.3% selected now. That's only going to keep going up. They, you know, the Foxes face Spurs. They get Bournemouth. They have Aston Villa. They're taking on Stoke. They have Arsenal, but, you know, Arsenal's got to come to them. Norwich, Southampton, Crystal Palace. Stop me when we find an opponent he can't score against. West Brom, Watford, Newcastle. That takes you through the 21st of November, game week 
13. Jump on the Foxes. I said this in the preseason. I liked Crystal Palace. I like Leicester to score bushels of points in fantasy in all formats. Mares, clearly the number one player in that team. To your last point, it was Mr. Neil J. Thurman of Roto World who sniped him in pick 34, taking Mares ahead of Johan Caballe, who went to Todd Shank, Cesar Spilicueta, and Ryan Bertrand, who went back-to-back to kick TV's John Hudson, then Matt Ritchie, Dusan Tadic. Those were the next players off the board. So clearly you, Neil, a number of us, rated Mares highly in the preseason. 34 is, is no joke. That is an early pick in a 12-team league. Mm. Certainly worth yeah. from home to roost. He has the talent to do it, you know? Yeah, solid, solid, solid player. No disagreement out of me. You know, if you're enjoying this episode of Fantasy Soccer Insider, it's time to give a shout out to the sponsor who made this entirely possible, Rabble.tv. If you're not familiar with Rabble, it's a completely new way of experiencing sports on television. The concept is simple. The next time you want to watch your favorite soccer team, but you're tired of the announcers because they're biased against your team or simply aren't that good, and let's be honest, it's probably the latter, press the mute button, head on over to Rabble.tv and listen to a real fan's audio broadcast of the game. And if there isn't one available, you can create your own broadcast by switching on your mic and calling the match. It's easy. Sign up for free today. Try it out. With Rabble, you can listen to broadcasts on your desktop, through your iOS app, and now through your mobile browser. Plus, you can join in the conversation, as so many people are tonight, for Fantasy Soccer Insider by posting your questions or observations in the comments section of every broadcast. So I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor for making this episode possible. I'd like to personally thank the support team there for all that they've done to make sure the Fancy Soccer Insider got off the ground, got running, and got out over the airwaves to all of you by heading on over to rabble.tv today, where it's your team and your call. Now, Ralph, I know you'd said you'd not been on Rabble before. You're a Manchester United fan. Going to give it a shot one day, get you, you know, get myself. We'll do the, uh, we'll the Manchester-Liverpool match. I think that could only be good things. <laughs> I think we're going to have to. I'm going to have to do it with 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 Rob, my colleague, as well, so I can I can yell at him. Now, Rob's team. Rob's Rob is a Chelsea fan, which I'm surrounded by Chelsea fans in my life. My my father is actually a Chelsea fan as well. So uh, everybody that I, that I I talk footy with seems to be a supporter of the damn big blue bus. <laughs> the boring blue bus claims another victim. Plenty of yeah. seats on that bus. You know, before the uh, before we went on the air tonight, we were talking about some uh, some interesting numbers that have cropped up early here, and you know, some of them are are maybe a little bit silly, right? I mean, Ryan Mara's six shots on target to Sergio Aguero's four shots on target. Obviously, Kuhn hasn't gotten the minutes yet that he needs. Obviously, sure. we all expect Kuhn to come good, but there are some other numbers that I think are are maybe a little bit telling and, and maybe present uh, good buying opportunities for fantasy Premier League managers in any format, and maybe particularly. Uh, in daily in daily fantasy soccer, where you're looking to find analogs, less expensive analogs, right? So, so far this season, Mejia sure. Ozil from Arsenal, 10 chances created, has one assist. John Joe Shelby, former Liverpool man playing with Swansea, 10 chances created, one assist. If you're playing in a weekly league and you're seeing that Swans are facing, well, let's use this week's matchup, right? Swansea face Sunderland, Arsenal face Liverpool. Would you, in Tottenham's 
in uh, in Targa's Perfect Eleven or, or in any of the daily uh, daily soccer games, uh, any of the money games on, on any of the different sites, would you consider starting John Joe Shelby at a significant price discount over Arsenal's Mesut Ozil this week as Arsenal host Liverpool? Absolutely. Um, and I was sort of playing around and, and looking at some of these sort of statistics and things that I try to look at. Um, you know, with these daily formats, one is, is shots on target, especially when you're, or, or shots when you're looking at forwards, cause you're getting points for that. I'm also looking at things like, uh, key passes, number of passes made. And, uh, in terms of a key pass average, I think that Shelby is actually number one is Adam Johnson. He had one game. So let's just sort of wipe that off the board. He's hurt. He's eliminated. Done. Shelby and Ozil are actually um, tied for first with, with Santi Caz um, at four and a half key pass average for, per game. Um, those are the kind of guys that I'm looking at. Kolarov is up there with three and a half. Um, guys that are going to be you know, setting up plays and obviously making a lot of passes as well. So Shelby's definitely somebody that I would be looking at. I think that uh, you have to stack the Swans this week for sure. Now, for people who are new to daily fantasy, can you just describe real quick what stacking Swans means? So stacking is just the, you're going to, it's more or less trying to load your lineup with one particular matchup that you think is lopsided. So obviously this, this Swans matchup um, in particular is one that everyone's looking at this week. Sunderland has looked awful. Um, so you're, you're looking to get as many of those guys into your lineup as possible. And when we, when we're stacking, we're not only looking for players that are necessarily good value, Obviously, the, the best stacks are where you can blend uh, high-value players with players that have high-expected uh, high floors for performance. So Exactly. Yeah. So somebody like uh, John Joe Shelby for Swans paired nicely with somebody like Gomish, Andre Ayu. That, I mean, that's a quality stack that you can, that you can take into a, a daily matchup. Yeah, and another one I would put in there from Swans is Ashley Williams as well. Um, I think that, uh, I think he's averaging about 72 passes per game and from a, from a defender. That's great. Yeah. Cause typically in these, in these formats, you're getting points per pass. So, you know, whether it's Mondo goal or, you know, DraftKings, whoever, et cetera, et cetera. No, absolutely. And he's been to your point, he's been very involved, uh, in all aspects of the game. He has a number of interceptions, tackles, one, uh, aerial clearances, regular clear, uh, excuse me, aerial duels, uh, ground duels across the board. Ashley Williams is is asserting himself very much into that Swansea defense. Um, we've mentioned it a couple times. I do want to touch on it briefly. I have not been off to the best of starts in Taga's expert leagues this season. Looking at our table right now, I am sitting. Oh, good Lord. Where am I sitting right now? I'm sitting in fifth on a one and one record. Not not necessarily the best, but sir, and I, I hate to do it to you, you are rooted at the bottom of the table, oh. and it's it's all down to game week one. I think you I think you tweeted this at me, and I think <laughs> that we actually went back and confirmed that in a 12 team league, you are the all time lowest scoring team in Taga history with 13 points. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I have no idea what happened that week because the following week, I know I lost to you last week, but uh, I didn't have such an awful week. You know, I scored 109 points, so with uh, only a couple of, uh, of moves made, but yeah, it was rough. Rose didn't start. Um, I, I had the Ward Pros in there. He didn't play. Jednak came in really, really late, and, and Jednak was a really valuable player last year in this format, but it looks like he's been uh, completely supplanted 
um, that, you know, there's, there's pretty much no chance that he's going to have any value this year, maybe a little bit later, but, uh, we'd have to, we'd have to look for, for an injury there. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty brutal. I figured you were going to call me out on that one. It's, <laughs> it's going to tank me. I need to win like the next like five straight weeks with blowout numbers if I have any chance. So I've already dumped like four or five guys in that league and, and, you know, moved on to different players. But yeah, that was a very rough, very rough first week. Well, I was going to say, and more, uh, more the salt in the wound, you were actually playing Rob uh, in game week one. So your colleague over at soccer.rasball.com is the one who did it to you and, uh, and put up 84 points. Well, let's throw a little bit more salt in the wound. And the fact that my bench actually outscored my team by 3.25 points. I had Wes Houlihan with 16 points. He actually outscored my entire team. You did. And I left him on the bench. Yeah. And, and your 13 <laughs> points, uh, both Aaron Cresswell with 13 and Martin Skirtle with 14 on, uh, on smoky side outscored your entire side. Yep. All right. Almost, moving on. almost got outscored by a goalie too. <laughs> Uh, yep, certainly happened uh, with at least one that week. I want to turn, I, I'm only bringing it up because when we walked out of the draft, I really felt like you had an incredibly solid team front to back. I mean, obviously, I wasn't expecting Sergio Aguero. Uh, I mean, I, I was expecting Sergio Aguero to fall to you at three, but uh, followed, you know, behind Eden Hazard and, and Alexis Sanchez. But I have to say, like, the way that you followed up that that pick I thought set you up very well for success. I know you tweeted back at me after I tweeted uh, your starting lineup that you dropped a number uh, of players from this roster. You just confirmed that you dropped a number of players. I'm a little bit curious why you, why you gave up the ghost so quickly. I mean, this is a team that had uh, Memphis to pay two, Jordan Henderson, three, John Terry, four, Nasser Chadley at five, obviously Jed Knack, uh, Danny Rose in the seventh round, then Ward Prowse, Beaufalu, uh, Matthews, Adam, okay. But, you know, Wes Houlihan, Scott Dan, Kasper Schmeichel, and, and Shinjaki Okazaki, who we've we talked about um, mm-hmm. earlier. That, in a 12-team league, that is a, that is a quality squad. Yeah, and I, but the thing I learned last year is there's there's a few guys in each roster you got to keep as sort of flexible. And I d- identified right away, Delafu wasn't going to start right away and have an impact. I knew I had to move on from that. Um, Matthews, same deal. I had high expectations of him coming in. Kind of didn't show that at all. So I had to move on. I, I handcuffed um, Kramaric with Okazaki. Okazaki's the guy that I'm moving forward with. So I got Kramaric out of there. Um, and I think I think I made some some decent moves in terms of upgrading. I had, you know, Lovren looked good, looked like the way he did when he was with Southampton. Um, the last few weeks. So I made a move on that one. It paid off last week. He did have a good week for me um, and a couple of other guys. And now that I know that Houlihan is a starter, he's going to be in there each week because he's taking the set pieces. It's the reason I, I drafted him in the first place. Um, but for the most part, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, sitting tight on Danny Rose. I'm not going to jump off of that one anytime soon. Same thing with Jed Knack and even Ward pros. Um, I got Coney last week. Um, on, on, on waivers. So I'm pretty happy about that one too, but uh, I think you got to identify right off the bat. Okay. I got to move a couple of these guys out there because you do want to have people on your bench that are going to be rotation guys. And I felt like I had a few that weren't necessarily going to be in the rotation, including Charlie Adam, which is sort of unfortunate because I've, I've liked him since he was at, you know, at Blackpool and, you know, he was a good value uh, when they, when they were promoted for that one season, they were up in, in the premiership. Yep. 
Now, for me, I mean, in in the match that we just had, uh, we mentioned it was a close match. One of the players that I relied on heavily is a player that we're being asked about right now in the comment thread, and that is uh, West Ham United's Dimitri Payet, who scored 20 points uh, against Leicester in game week two in Taga's format. Mike P. asked, you know, after a great deal of hype, Payet has started the season looking like the real deal. Downing was a top 10 midfielder last season, talking, of course, about Stuart Downing, who's playing back in the championship this season. Payet seems like a more talented player. What do we think his ceiling is this year in FPL? Now, Mike says, gutted I missed him in the expert league. And that, Mike, is because I drafted him (laughs) (laughs) coming in at number 28 overall. And I took him ahead of James Milner. I took him ahead of Yaya Torre, Andre Ayu, Juan Mata, and Graziano Pele, among others. Um, Payet, obviously well respected. Uh, you're on, you know, on the continent, phenomenal assist, man. Somebody that when we did the, uh, experts ranking summit in New York city, which, which your colleague Rob was able to attend and you were not Payet was one of the players that we talked about having an instant impact, you know, Ralph, where do you see Payet finishing this season? Do you think he can be a top 10 midfielder, uh, replicating the success Stuart Downing had last year? Absolutely. I think he's, he's a more athletic, more talented version of Stuart Downing. And I was, a, I was a big Stuart Downing guy. I actually had drafted him on our, our Razball team uh, when we did the uh, preseason mock back you know, earlier in the summer. Um, I've always been a, a, a big fan of Stuart Downing, but you know, Pyatt, just in terms of, you know, attacking uh, his dribbles are much better. He's quicker. Um, he can get by guys um, probably better than, than even, even Stuart Downing can. Um, and he's still great on on set pieces. So he's a guy that that seems like he stepped right in and they upgraded from from Downing, obviously leading for for middle, uh, Middlesbrough. But uh, I love Payet. You know, I I'm trying to think of of a, of a comparable. Um, yeah, I'm thinking maybe like a, a Yaya Torre or somebody like that. But I don't know if that's that's maybe a little bit too too much hyperbole. Um, but I think he's a top ten midfielder. I love him. Um, you know, I talked about it this week in, in my review post on, I posted on Rasball on Tuesday and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm ready to like, you know, leave my wife and like run away with Dimitri Payet. <laughs> he's the anti Roberto Firmino. Yeah. He's the anti Roberto Firmino. Absolutely. Right. There we go. Um, before we let you go and we are grateful to have you on again, you are the co-editor of the Rasball soccer coverage at soccer.rasball.com. And you can be found on Twitter at Ralph Lipschitz BB. Want to talk briefly, real briefly about something that you had brought up um, in a, in a conversation that we had had uh, off mic. And that was, you know, looking at, the players who have moved clubs inside the Premier League. So we're talking about your Christian Benteke, your Nathaniel Klein. Um, I mean, I guess technically maybe even like someone like Johan Kabaye who leaves Newcastle for a year to France and comes back with Crystal Palace. Which of those players do you feel has already shown that they've made the adjustment that they need to be successful this year? And which player that hasn't uh, made an adjustment yet are you still expecting uh, great things from? Um. Probably Kabaye at this point is is the man that I'm I'm looking at and just really impressed. Uh, I I always thought the PSG move was a bad fit. You know he was great at Newcastle. It's tough for a guy like that to get into that sort of upper echelon club when he's not necessarily at that talented le- that talent level as talented of a player as he is. 
Crystal Palace is a great fit for him. There's a lot of good, talented players around him, a lot of good playmakers around him, and he seems to be in a role where he's thriving. Um, you know, just looking at, at some of the stats out there, um, you know, he's 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 up at the, the top in a lot of different areas, and you know, he's a guy that I, I want in any draft format at this point. I'm all over Kabai, and actually, uh, it, it was funny. When we were reviewing uh, the, the the rankings for this week in midfield, um, Rob actually did them and they posted on on Razball today, and uh, and he had Kabai at three, and I was like, "You're nuts! Like, what what are you doing?" And then I dug a little bit more into the numbers, and I don't I don't know how he's not a top five midfielder right now. I mean, he looks unbelievable. It seems like he just you know fluently went right into that situation. I don't know if it's because of his his uh, previous history with with Pardew. It could be, um, but he looks like a guy you want to own. No, fair enough, fair enough. I mean, he was one of my uh, preseason predictions that has come good, so you're going to get not a bad word about Johan Gabay out of me. I think for me it's probably Christian Benteke, who took his role well, hit that ball off the the stanchion with his header uh, late in that match against Bournemouth. I do like where he's being deployed. I know there were some concerns about whether or not the big Belgian could be utilized in Brendan Rodgers' tactics. But as I said last night, uh, talking in the Fantasy Soccer Insider special edition that I did with at Kev Roth, Mr. Kev DeVries, I think that Brendan Rodgers has done literally everything I was not expecting him to do. He is stuck with Dejan Lovren in the center of that defense. He is keeping Roberto Firmino on the bench. He is doggedly using a uh, like a, a tip of the spear with Christian Benteke. He is playing for 1-0, 1980s style Arsenal, 1-0 to the Arsenal victories in a an attempt to, I think, overcome the slow starts that Liverpool's had in the past. And as a supporter, I'm not going to complain about the quality of football as long as they're getting three points. As an FPL manager, I am livid with the way that that collection of talent is being deployed because it has cost me across the board, whether it's, uh, well, clearly not in defense, but it cost me in defense because I didn't trust them enough to invest in them. And, uh, you know, I I like Benteke. I like how he's being used. Um, in with Benteke, out with a number of other players, still probably more to come. One man that left, Ricky Lambert, off to the Albion. Downtown Money Waster wants to know, Ralph Lipschitz, will Ricky Lambert score five? One, two, three, four, five goals this season. He is his third striker. Good value for a third striker? At this point, uh, there's so much up in the air on that one. Um you know, is Barino going to Spurs? If he does, that boosts him a little bit. And then, you know, obviously uh, they also made another move this week, um, bringing in uh, Solomon Rondon, who I've heard really good things on. I have to be honest with you. I haven't watched a lot of him, um, but it seems like he's, he's sort of built uh, you know, like a Premier League striker. That's bad news for, for Ricky Lambert. Um, at this point, I would move away from Lambert. Unfortunately, it seemed like he was a good fit, especially if Mourinho uh, was going to Spurs and they weren't going to bring in somebody that talented. At this point, he's somebody that I'm, I'm dumping. You know, if it's in the official game, that's six points. You know, you can move to to a Dini or even a Wilson. And there's there's other options in there as well that I would much rather roster than, than Ricky Lambert, unfortunately. No, it's a fair point. And it's, you know, 
it's it's unfortunate because two weeks ago when I when that move went down, I said this is going to be great. The big man's going to go there. He's going to be a perfect foil for whichever other striker he's with, whether it's Brian Adaye or uh, Saito Berahino. And it does not look like that is going to come to fruition. It looks like it might be another season of late substitute appearances and frustration for Ricky Lambert. That is our time tonight on Fantasy Soccer Insider. My thanks to Ralph, the co-editor of Razzball Soccer. You can find him at soccer.razzball.com at Ralph Lifshitz BB. Ralph, thank you very much for joining us this evening. John, thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure. The pleasure is all ours. This has been Fantasy Soccer Insider brought to you by Rabble.tv. You can find us here every Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Find us here again next week. We go again.